Uh, welcome to Victory Church. So excited to have you here with us. Let me give just a couple of quick announcements uh, to you as well as our family that's online today. First of all, if you're visiting with us, so if you're visiting with us in person or you're visiting with us online for the very first time, we want to get to know you, want to try to connect with you. And so we do something here called Text to Connect. And so what's going to happen, there's going to be a number coming up on the screen. And when you text that, so you will actually text Victory18 would be in the message area. You'll text it to the number 31996. What that's going to do is that's going to shoot you a digital connection card, has a place for you to fill out your name, some check boxes if you have any questions. There's also kind of an other area that if maybe your question's not on the form. But I want to encourage you, if you've been visiting, if you've been coming to Victory for a while now and haven't got connected, or if you're just brand new, I really want to encourage you to move forward in that. And I'll even say this, some of us, uh, we were really involved pre-COVID, and now we've kind of gotten used to coming back, and I really want to challenge you to step out and get connected. We've got some exciting things coming up that I'm going to talk about in a moment, but there's so many opportunities and ways for you to serve. You guys saw last week that we, we officially moved V-Kids back towards the cafeteria area in preparation for our growth coming in the fall. We'll, we'll launch the fall with the, uh, uh, a series that you're familiar with, At the Movies, and we're really excited about that. It's going to be great. I believe that by the fall, we're going to see a lot of people coming back as, as, long, uh, as well as people visiting. So we're just gearing up. And so with that, we need our dream team to be strong. And so I just want to encourage you guys, if, if you've been coming back or if you're visiting or if you're here for a while, really want to encourage you to text that number. Let's get connected and let's get ready for what God's not only going to do over the next couple of months, but certainly in the fall. Also, if you're here and you say, hey, I'd like to give, but I don't know how to do that, uh, we give three ways here that you can do that. Number one is just by going to our website uh, or our app. You can do either ways of that online. You can also text to give, which is real simple, as well as there is a black box right outside in the little lobby area as you walk out of the auditorium, and you, whether you're wanting to give cash and check. But those are just three ways that you can give here at Victory. Um, some of, there's a lot of different things that we give to financially. If you're wondering, we try our best to communicate frequently what we're able to give to. Uh, I, want, I want to take a second and just thank, I, I, don't, he's, I don't know if he's going to hear this, but thank Scott Horde for bringing the message last week. Can we just give, give, give a little applause real quick to Scott Horde? Um, Scott serves, uh, leads a ministry that we, we financially support that helps families who are considering abortion. And it's a tough message. I know it's a heavy message, but it's a powerful message. And it's a message that we need to hear. And so that's just one of the many areas that our money goes to. Um, and we try our best to kind of share frequently what, what we're able to do because of your faithfulness. Uh, real quick, let me give you two calendar items that you need to know, and then we'll jump into the word. Number one is next Sunday is Father's Day. All right. Did y'all know that? It's Dad's Day. Let me hear it from my dads. What's up, dads? Where you at, dads? Here you are. All right. We love you so much. Let me tell you what we're doing. Next Sunday, we're going to preach. We're going to be in the book of Acts. It's going to be great. We're going to have some, some refreshments uh, after service. We started our summer lobby fun is what we call it uh, because we're not having to tear down as much right now during the summer. We've got treats for you after service. You can kind of hang around and chit chat for a minute. They start today with some, uh, some drinks, some refreshers. And then next week, I believe, is the root beer moon pie we're doing for all of our men. But watch this. After service is over, my men... Ladies, you can participate too if you're crazy. My man, after service next week, when you go outside, there will be a mobile axe throwing trailer out there. All right? And if, you, if you've never thrown an axe, you will get to do it right here in church. I don't know how it's legal. I don't know. We might get sued. I don't know. Um, I'm just kidding. Take that out. But 
Uh, you know, but we got the trailer here. It's going to be here. So if you've never done it before and you've always wanted to do it, now will be the opportunity for you to do it after service. And so it's just going to be an exciting time. Uh, we will also have baby dedications that day. So I just want to encourage you. Invite your friends. Bring your family. Let's be here together for church, baby dedications, some root beer and moon pies, and then go out and throw axes at each other. Right? Right? Uh, I told Erica, I said, hey, I got this great promotional idea for Father's Day. She was like, what is it? I said, we're throwing axes and I'm preaching from the book of Acts. I was like, Acts and Axes. I was so excited. And I said it to her, and she was like, is that a dad joke? And I was like, all right, so we ain't doing it? That's your way of telling me it's not funny? So I'm just, I'm, I'm old, guys. I'm learning. I'm old. But that's, that's the, so we want to encourage you to come to that. I would invite you to Acts and Axes, but apparently that's not cool anymore. So just come to Father's Day next Sunday. Amen? Cool, 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 cool. All right, June 27th, which is the next Sunday. So we got June 20th is Father's Day. The next Sunday, June 27th, we're doing our annual church picnic. Come on, let me hear it. Get excited. Yeah. All right. And so here's what we're going to do that evening. So we'll have church as normal. That evening we'll gather at Lee Victory Park with snacks and activities. We'll have cornhole. We'll have ultimate frisbee, volleyball. There's basketball courts there. We'll have all kinds of hanging out, treats. There'll be all, so many cool different things to do. And we just want to encourage you to come out to all of our online family. If maybe you're not really comfortable yet coming into a building like this, come hang out with us outside. Let's just gather together and have a good time together. Cool? All right, you ready for the word? Yeah. Hey, if you got your Bibles, open up the book of Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Um, let me say this as you're turning. I want to thank you on behalf of Darla and I for allowing us to take a couple of weeks and get away. Um, it came to our attention. We were in a board meeting recently, and I don't think we ever really realized this. They were talking to us, and they said, hey, since the church launch, which was four years ago, they said... Um, how many Sundays have you not preached? And, I, and I, I don't remember what it was. It was like eight or nine or 10 or something. And they were like, okay, how many Sundays were you not in the building? And I was like, what? And they were like, of all the Sundays, four years, how many Sundays were you physically not in the building? And I said, zero. I was there every Sunday for the past four years. And they said, you, you, you need a break. <laughs> they said, you need to get away for a couple weeks. And so we, we put together some stuff, and our, our director team is amazing. They put together that opportunity for us to get away. And I was talking to somebody backstage, and it was kind of like the mom who has the brand new baby and has that temptation of like, I don't really want to leave the baby, but you finally do for like one night, and you go away, and the whole night you think about the baby, right? It's like, I gotta get back to the baby. But it, it's a process there of health. And so I just want to say on behalf of me and my wife and my family, thank you so much for letting us do that. We are excited to be back and we're ready to preach. Amen? Here we go. Acts chapter 5. Let me tell you what's happening. We're going to start at verse 17, but let me give you kind of context again of what's happening. When we started Acts 5, we were talking about Ananias and Sapphira, and we kind of talked that part up at the beginning. And then after that, what happened is the apostles are still preaching. They're still preaching the gospel of Christ. They're still preaching about eternity in Jesus and all these different things. And people are getting upset about it, specifically the Sadducees, because the Sadducees is a group that I told you, they don't believe in eternal life. They don't believe in uh, you know, a life after death. And so that was really frustrating them when they begin to preach uh, that through Jesus. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 5, verse 17, and here's what it says. It says, then the high priest and all of his associates, okay, so the high priest, all of his people who were members of the party of the Sadducees, here's just that information letting you know they don't believe in eternity. They were filled with jealousy. Well, why are they filled with jealousy? They're filled with jealousy because not only is there a message being preached they don't believe in, but it's gathering a lot of popularity, so that's making them mad too, because now the people that used to listen to them are listening to these apostles, and so they're getting jealous. So they did what they did 
in that day all the time. They arrested them. They arrested the apostles, and they put them in public jail. But during the night, so they're not even in there for an entire 24 hours, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. So they bring the apostles out of jail, and the angel then says to the apostles, go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. So go to the temple courts and tell everybody about Jesus. And at daybreak, they enter the temple courts, as they had been told by the angel, and they begin to teach the people. Now, when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. They're like, hey, go get those guys that we put in jail because we want to talk to them. They had no idea that the apostles weren't there. They said, go get them. We want to talk to them. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there because they weren't there. So they went back and they reported. Watch this. I think this is so cool. We found the jail securely locked. Every lock was locked. There was nothing broken open, nothing picked. Every lock was locked. Watch this. With the guards standing at the doors. So not only were the jail cells locked, but the guards were standing there, guarding nobody. But when we opened them, we found that no one was inside. And on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss. They're wondering what this might lead to. In other words, what have we gotten ourselves into? We've arrested people who just seem to go through walls. Then someone came and said, look, <laughs> surprise, the men that you put in jail are standing in the temple courts and they're teaching the people again. And at that, the captain went with his officers and he brought the apostles and they did not, force, they did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. I want to talk to you today from the idea, do it again. Now, I need to specify something. This is not do it again, like asking God to do it again. This is more do it, comma, again. Do it. It's less of a praise to God, watch this, and more of a command from God to us. Do it again. Darla and I got the privilege, uh, it was last weekend, I believe, of, or I got the privilege to officiate a wedding of a young girl that was in our kids' ministry. So she was in our kids' ministry. <laughs> I think she was seven when I met her. Um, and then she was in our youth ministry as a youth. And then I officiated her wedding last weekend. Uh, her parents said they had a picture of me baptizing her as a child. And now they have a picture of me officiating her wedding uh, at 22. 22. When, when I arrived to do the, the wedding rehearsal, I got out of my car. I had not seen her in, you know, four plus years for sure because we haven't been there. Um, and so she comes walking up in high heels and a dress. And I'm like, how old are you? And she said, I'm 22. And I was like, where's my walker? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm coming. Here I come. I'm, I'm dying. Like, it was just that moment where it's like, oh my goodness, I'm so old. And so then we, you know, we did the wedding and then we had the reception, and there was a lot of people from our church in Memphis, and so we just sat at the table and told stories and talked about how old we were, talked about the weather, and complained about all of our aches. And pain. I literally talked to a guy for 30 minutes about plantar fasciitis, okay? You're not any older than when you do that. Um, they, they hit the music for the young folk. The music came on, and it was like, drop it like it's low, and we were like, all right, we got to go. <laughs> you know, I was like, we're done. We're too old for this stuff. Um, but I got to talking to a guy at the table 
that, that, that I've known for years. And he just, he just asked me a question. He said, hey man, how's the church going? And I was like, that's, that's kind of an interesting question because these past 14 months have been very abnormal. You know? And so I kind of took him through everything. I said, man, we were closed for like 10 months. I said, we couldn't meet in the school. We did online service and we had teams that just put on a great online service, but you know, we weren't in the building together. I said, and then, then when we were in the building together, we had restrictions on, on you know, uh, how many people we could let in. And, and then, you know, we, we had to slowly open up stuff because we were trying to get volunteers in. So, like, we had nursery but no V-Kids Elementary. Then we had V-Kids Elementary and we still trying to go. So I'm telling them all the story. And when I was telling them about when, when we first started opening up the church for, for, to record the service, I don't know how many of y'all know this. We, we could record the service in here, but we couldn't open up the doors to anybody. We had a limit of 15 people. That, that's as many people as we were allowed to have in here for about three months. And so literally... The production team, like two or three of them, maybe I think two, and then our worship team, and Darla, we didn't even bring our kids. <laughs> Amber Morton would watch our kids every Sunday morning. We'd drop them off at Amber's house, and then we'd come to church, and we would record this service. And, and n- n- number one, I, couldn't, I can't really see the production team, you know, because of the lights and everything. So, so, and they're quiet, and they're ninjas. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to see them. And then the worship team, they would sing, and they would go off that way. And then as they're coming down, they would either stop and get some coffee, or they might get caught up in a conversation, or they might choose to sit there in the back. And so it, it never failed. Now, Melanie and Jeff were faithful to me. They'd always sit right here. But it, it never failed. I would get up to preach and start preaching, and there'd be like five people sitting here, like, like, like two, three, four, and there's always like one or two people in the back. I didn't even know who they were. You know, I was like, who, who is that? It was like five people, and, I, and I'm telling them this, and I would get up every week and like preach, ah, scream, shout, do all this, and there's five people, and one of them normally was asleep. You know what I mean? It just never felt like, you know, Jamal didn't get enough sleep that night or something, so he's asleep. You know, it's just how it works. And so, so I was like, and, and I remember he looked at me, he goes, man, how did you do it? And I was like, what? He said, how did you do it? How, how, did, you, how did you get up and, and like preach the way you preach to, to four or five people? And I had this revelation that I didn't realize was a revelation then, but I do now, where I looked at him and I said, you mean, how'd I do it again? And here's what I meant by that. When we started this church, when we started the church four years ago, we were able to put together a dream team of about 45 people, 45 passionate, God-fearing, loving people. And we launched this church. And the first Sunday was this big Sunday. There was like 250 people here. We had like 70 people come from Memphis. We, you know, the whole deal with church planning, in case you're not familiar, is everybody comes the first week because they want to know, who is this coming into our town? And then the next week, nobody comes back. And then people kind of slowly start to go, hey, you want to go see that church again? So, so for the first few weeks of the church, remember the 45 people who had helped us plant the church, they were all serving all 45 of them were either production, worship, V-Kids, first impressions. So I would get up to preach, and there'd be like 11 people in the room, just kind of boop, boop, boop. And so when he said, what was it like to do that, I couldn't help. It just automatically went like, no, no, you mean what it was it like to do that again? Because I had already done it once. It, it, be honest with you, I think some of the reason why I was able to do it so easily is because it was an new to me. It was very familiar. I had done it again. I'm learning that when it comes to following Jesus, 
Sometimes the difficulty is not in what God is asking me to do. The difficulty is what God is asking me to do again. Right? I mean, let's just be honest for a second. My difficulty is not in the fact that God asked me to do something. If I was to talk to us, I think a lot of us, the difficulty is the things he's asking us to do again that we've already done before. God, I've already done this. And now you're having me do it again? Let let me give you some context. I think when Joshua had to uh, march around the walls of Jericho because God told him if you'll march around those walls, those walls will come tumbling down and you'll be able to invade. I don't think he had difficulty the first time he walked around the walls. Matter of fact, I think he was kind of excited. Because let's be honest, when we do something for the first time, there's kind of like this excitement. You know, it's, it's new. We've never done it before. We kind of have this huge faith aspect of what could happen. And so we're kind of, I just see he'd be like, <laughs> you know, like he's kind of excited to do it. But the second time and the third time and the fourth time, I don't think the difficulty was doing it the first time. I think the difficulty for him would have been to do it again. When God told Naaman to go dip in the Jordan River, so that he'd be healed of leprosy. I don't think the difficulty was in the first time. Matter of fact, he had some excitement, right? Some desperation. He probably ran to the water. I think it was probably the second dip, the third dip. Every time he dipped and left, it was a 25-mile trip. Don't you think on like that fourth trip back, he was probably a little angry? I got to do it again? Why Why wasn't it good enough when I did it the first time? Now I've got to do it again? This is where I think the difficulty lies for them, for me, and probably for you. When God asks you to do something the first time, honestly, you're kind of excited about it because you've never done it before. And there's this huge opportunity of things that could happen, but when you do it, and you go through the difficulty of it, and then you find yourself having to do it again, that is where the difficulty lies. When these guys preached and got arrested, I don't think that was difficult for them. I think if there would have been difficulty, it's when they would have gotten out of prison and then got arrested again. I find that my faith is so much more frustrated when I'm having to do something again versus me having to do it for the first time. Am I right? Maybe it's just me. Uh, I haven't quite been able to nail down if it's our culture, if it's my own personal insecurities, or if it's the devil. But when I have to do something again, I tend to automatically define it as a failure the first time, right? Like, if if I did something before and God has me doing it again, there's something in me that just assumes and therefore defines that the first time I did it, I must have failed. Because if I didn't fail the first time, why am I having to do it again? As we got ready to go on our, our trip, our sabbatical, I was praying so hard. I needed a word from God 
for me personally. I needed a word that I wanted to chew on while I was gone. I needed a word for our church in this real crazy season. And I wanted a word for you. So it was an interesting context because I wanted a word for me personally. I wanted a word for you personally. And then I wanted a word for us. Like, like as a church, this is, this is our word. This is, our, this, is, this is where we're going. This is the direction. This is what you're telling us right now for us as a church. Yes, you can apply it personally. And yes, it's powerful personally. But what is it for us right now in this season? I would have never in my life thought he would give it to me in Acts chapter 5. I actually thought I was going to have to get off of Acts to find it. But here's what's so cool about God. You stick to his plan and he'll give you the word you need exactly when you need it, right? So here's the first thing I felt like he told me. Number one was this, what it means is up to me. What it means is up to me. So let's go back to Acts chapter five. Let me again set the foundation for this. They're arrested. The apostles are put in the public jail, okay? They're put in the public jail, which means, you know, general population. They're in there with other prisoners, and then this angel comes in, and this angel sets them free. Now, we don't know really how this works because the Bible doesn't tell us, but we know that the guards have no idea that they left. The Bible says the angel opened the door. So maybe there was some kind of situation where he blinded their eyes or whatever, and they opened the door, and they left and closed the door. Maybe he took them through some supernatural door. There's no really, no really idea how to know, but the angel set them free from jail. So they got arrested for preaching. The angel comes in and a miracle sets them free and nobody knows about it. This is the best part. They're, they have broken out of jail and nobody knows. There's no alarms going off. There's no security running with guns. Nobody is wiser to the fact that they're no longer in prison. They could go wherever they wanted to go. This is not 2021 where they got cameras on every corner and they'd be like, oh, we see Peter. He's on the right. He's going to the left. He's on Second Street. It doesn't work that way. If they would have just left, nobody would have ever found them. Give you another thought. Had they just left, they wouldn't have cared because now they're not preaching Jesus. So who cares as long as they're gone? So this was the moment for the apostles to break it. We got to go. Nobody knows we're gone. Let's get out of town and they'll never find us. We're free. Wouldn't that have been so cool if the angel would have been like, go, get out of here, guys. I'll handle them. Y'all get out of here. Run, run, run. Instead, the angel looks at them and says, go back to the temple and preach again. Let, let me just make sure that I've got the right crowd for a second. Have you ever faced a situation that you really thought you had already surpassed? You know what I mean? Like you're in the middle of something that you thought you already completed, something, something that you've already graduated from. Like, like I don't, and I, I, we're, we'll get into the details in a moment, but, but you know, you know may, maybe... Maybe you had this dream, and you were on this level, and you really thought you graduated out of that level, and now somehow you found yourself back at that level, you know what I mean? Or, or, or maybe you were dealing with this addiction, and you really thought you had surpassed that addiction, and now somehow you're back 
in that addiction. Or, or maybe it's just about a relationship, right? Maybe you were in a relationship and you really thought y'all had graduated out of this and now you find yourself back. There's just, I just feel like there's moments where you and I get out of something and then we find ourselves back in it. I would have had some questions for the angel. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I, I would have said, hey, real quick, Mr. Mr. Angel, real quick. Um, I'm not the brightest person in the world, but you just went through all of this trouble to release me from prison. You didn't let anybody know that I got out. The guards have no idea this happened. Why, why would you have me go back to preach again, watch this, where it's guaranteed I'll be arrested again? Why would you set me free if you're only going to direct me right back to where you're setting me free from? Why would you deliver me and then tell me, go do it again? I don't understand. And here's what the disciples knew. You ready? The disciples knew that it was not up to them whether or not they would have to do it again. That's up to God. What they did know is that what that again means is up to them. All right, let me, let me say it again. Whether or not they were going to have to do it again was not up to them. But what it meant was up to them. The other day, uh, the other day Vader and I, we're going to, uh, we, were, we were in the mall, and we were going to a shoe store. And uh, we, we walked in the shoe store. I think it was Foot Locker or Finish Line, one of them. We walked into the shoe store. And I, I'm a big shoe guy. I, I love shoes. I, my, my, I have champagne taste on a beer budget, as they might say. You know, I, mean, I don't know if you can say that in church. But, you know, it's just, in other words, I can't afford any of them. I just like to look at them. And so we go into the store, and she's like, what are we in here for, Dad? I'm too cool to be with you, Dad. And I said, I said, hey, let's just look at shoes. And I told her, I said, you go look at the shoes and you tell me which ones are fresh. And she was like, <laughs> exactly what she looked like. She was like, fresh? I was like, yeah, go look at the shoes and tell me which ones you think are fresh. And she was like, what is fresh? It's like, fresh. You know, like, man, that sounds fresh. Like, you know, fresh. Like, go fresh. Like, like, like it's, it's cool. You know, it's cool is what I mean. Like, it's cool. And she had, no, she had no idea what fresh was. That, that was not in her vocabulary. Maybe fresh vegetables. But she had no idea uh, that, that it meant cool. She also didn't know that you could say that junk's fresh either. She didn't know about that either. But, you know, I, I got to teach her. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a terrible job as a dad. So I'm teaching her. And so I said, okay, little smarty pants, what would you call it, right? Like, like your generation. If, if my generation was saying it was fresh, what, would, what do you think cool means? And she said, well, I would call it OG. It's like, OG? First of all, your generation can't even come up with new words. You're using our words with different definitions. You know what I mean? Because when I grew up, OG was what? Original gangster. Thank you. I'm not walking up in a shoe store and be like, man, them new LeBrons are original gangster. Sounds stupid. But if I walk up and go, man, I'm just fresh. People are like, yeah, I know. I get you. We're here. We're here. But I'm learning that every generation 
defines words themselves. You know what I mean? It's the same words, but every generation gets to decide what they mean. For example, Darla and I were having dinner with Brian and Erica one night. They have teenagers. So we have 11, 6-year-olds. They have, they have legitimate teenagers. Like Hunter's got a car and a job and mustache. and everything. You know what I mean? It's like, great. And, and so they're talking to us. I don't even know if you still got it. Okay. Uh, I've been gone for three weeks, man. Um, but they're talking to us. And it's like, yeah, they do this thing now where they, they point right here. And they go, shee. I was like, what? I said, time out. They do what? He's like, they, 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 they point, I was like, at their veins? I was like, yeah, and they're like, ee, like they make a noise. So Uncle Troy's like, nee, 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 nee. you know, I'm in there trying to, they're trying to figure out what, like, what does it mean? They don't know what it means. The kids don't know what it means. We're just walking around, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Just trying to, I don't know. So, so I'm trying to figure this out. I call the waitress over. We're eating. I call the waitress over. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. I said, have you ever seen somebody do this? And I was like, yeah, 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 you know, or whatever. And she was like, no, I don't know what that is. But I had just heard recently, I think Tony might have taught me this, I'm not really sure who taught me this, but I just heard recently that there's a genera- the generation now, they say this thing where they say, no cap. Have y'all heard this? My, my fellow uh, 30-year-olds and up, have you heard this? No. Thank you. Okay. I said, no cap? You left off the S, snow caps. I used to get that when I went to the movie theater. They said, no, no cap means no lie. Like, that's the truth, no cap. I don't, this is stupid. I know. I don't know. So I called a waitress over and I was like, hey, you know, nee, you know, that? she's like, no, no. I said, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have you heard this one? I said, have you heard about all caps? <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, hey, Brian, Erica, are dying. Like, no, no, it's no cap. I was like, oh, no cap, no cap. What is happening in our culture today? No cap, all caps, all cap. You know what I mean? I don't know. Is this, is, what is happening? You just, you just change the word. You pay, you, look, Casey Ray is going to have a whole nother definition for cap. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's a whole nother meaning. And here's what I'm learning. Listen to me. We get to decide what it means. What it means is up to me. You and I are going to face an again every day. Every day you face it again. For example, you came to church today. Again, worship team, you put together a set for worship and you let us in worship again. Production team, you produce church again. All my incredible V kids, uh, leaders who are listening to the podcast a week later, you came to serve again, again. For can we say hallelujah for there again? Look, I'll preach a whole nother sermon because that again is way different than another again. Amen? All right, look, don't get me started. I ain't preached in three weeks. Y'all, y'all be out of here at three o'clock this afternoon. But it, 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 it's up. You go to work tomorrow, guess what? Again. You got to decide where you're going to eat lunch today. Again. You have to deal with that difficult person again. You got to face that issue that you got to finally make a decision about again. But you get to choose what the again means. When you get up to come to church again, 
You get to decide whether you're going to come in here and be mad and frustrated and bored or whether you're going to come in here and experience life change. You decide whether you're going to come in here and lift people up or bring people down. You get to decide whether you're going to come in here and ignore the presence of God or be overwhelmed by the presence of God. You decide what the again means. When you go to work on Monday, you decide. If you're going to enjoy your job, if you're going to try to uplift people, if you're going to try to improve the business that you work for, you decide. When you have that interaction with that person again, you decide whether you're going to try to impact them for Jesus or lay hands on them suddenly. Right? You decide what the again is. It's up to you. It means the meaning is up to you. So then God showed me something. I was reading Acts 5, and I'm reading this, and I'm reading that the, that the apostles are going back again, and I'm like, oh, and all of a sudden, I, I feel like God gave me this, this, this statement. You ready? I felt like he told me, every again has an angel. I was like, ooh, yeah, because the angel's there, and the angel tells him. I was like, ooh, every again has an angel. And I kept trying to walk with it, and instead, I was like, God, that don't make no sense. I don't know what that means. Every, every again has an angel. I, what are we talking about right now? Angels in the outfield? I don't, Michael? What, what, I don't know what's happening. And God was like, no, doofus. No, he didn't say it like that. He talks to me. He's like, no, my beloved. He said, listen. He said, he said you, got, you got the E. You got the, you got the E wrong. You got the E in the wrong place. It wasn't every again has an angel. It was every again has an angle. Not angel. Angle. Angle is defined as the direction by which you approach something. So my again has an angle. I can approach my again from this angle, or I can approach my again from this angle. So, so it can be positive, or it can be negative. It's up to me on what my again means. All right, let me lay it out for you. We, the trip Darla and I went on, we went to Washington, D.C. I had never seen any of that stuff. I wanted to see it. We wanted to go somewhere where, you know, a lot of stuff was free. We could just walk around and see monuments and take pictures. And, and she, normally when, when we go on a trip, Darla uh, researches the trip. She gets all this information. Well, it was last minute, so she didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of research. But she did find this one restaurant. It was called Farmers Fishers Bakers. And she said, look, we got to go here. They have a vegan meatloaf, is what, which I don't even know. Like, you can't say that. You know what I mean? You can't say vegan meatloaf. You might as well say, like, you know, never mind. Um, I don't know how many of y'all are vegan now. You know, in a couple more years, we'll have to change the name of the church to vegan church. And so, you know, so, so I'm like, yeah, hey, let's go there. So, so we arrive in D.C. We go to Farmer's Fisher's Baker. It was incredible. The lady put the menu in front of me, and I was like, I'll take the front page. Just the front, you just the front page. We, we got this pretzel appetizer. The pretzel sticks were this long, and I, I'm putting it on Facebook today. Y'all, I'm not lying. It was incredible. And so then after it was, we were getting done eating, and the lady's talking to us. She's like, you know what? Y'all really should come back. It was Friday. She said, y'all really should come back this weekend. We said, why? She said, because we're doing a brunch buffet. I said, you had me a buffet. <laughs> COVID took buffets from me. I've been in mourning, you know what I mean? I'm with, let the first buffet open. I'll be over there. We went to the Chinese buffet. COVID was still kind of happening. Y'all remember that? We went there, and then somebody sneezed, and the whole place was like, er, just looking. But when she said buffet, I said, babe, we got to go. So we went back two days later. We went back on Sunday. 
We had this buffet. Don't get me started on that. It was insane. If you go to DC, you go there. So then a couple days later, it's like Tuesday. We're, we're walking around doing something, and we're trying to decide where we want to eat. And I'm like, babe, why are we fooling ourselves? Why are we looking for other places to eat? Why are we not going back to FFB? I, we're on nickname stages at this point. I'm like, let's go back to Florida. They got, you know, and so she's like, fine, babe, let's do it. So we go, we walk in the door, and a little lady behind the counter, right? She, she's been there, it's just what happens. She's been there every day. Walk in, she goes, oh, you're back again? Now watch this. To her, because that sounded negative, right? Like, y'all back again? I was like, ooh, we're back again. Because her angle was, you back again? Like, that's, that's, that's negative. Like, you back here again? What she didn't know is I had seen the menu, and there was a honey-roasted fried chicken that came with a glazed donut. <laughs> I know I'm fat, y'all. I said, ma'am, I haven't got to have that yet. It's still on the menu. So I'm back again, right? It's all about the angle. She's like, you're back again. I'm like, I get to come back again. I said, if I was here one more day, I'd come back again, again, again. Why? Because I enjoy it. God is going to ask me to do it again, but it's up to me on how I approach it. If I approach it with, I get to do it again, then praise God. But if I come into it, I got to do it again it's the same again, it's just a different angle. It's the same again. So, so all right, how did, how did the apostles approach it? You know, I mean, we're going to preach about angle. Let's, let's just go back to the Bible. How did the apostles? Well, let's go to Acts 5, chapter 4, or I'm sorry, verse 40, verse 41. This is how they approached it. It says that they called the apostles in, and they had them flogged, okay? So beat them, you know, hit them with rocks, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they arrested them, brought them in, threw rocks at them, said, don't talk about Jesus no more, and let them go. Now watch this, verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. They left it beaten. Oh, why did we have to do it again? They left all bloody, because they were bleeding, guys. You don't get hit with a rock and be like, ooh, that hurt. Right? They're bleeding. Why did, can you see them walking out? Why did God make us do it again? Why we have, we were free. Why we have to do it Again, what does it say? They went out what? Rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Let me tell you something. The angle you approach the again doesn't make the rock any softer. It may still hurt. Again, may still be difficult. But how you approach it they had determined in their minds before they ever walked in there that they were going to be excited about doing it again because they were doing it unto the Lord. I'll give you a question. When it comes to the again, were they arrested again or did they get the opportunity to preach the gospel again? See, it's all about your angle. Were they arrested again? Or were they forced to be in a place where they had to preach again? I was thinking about this. Paul said, 
rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. You know what Paul's doing here? Paul is adjusting his angle. I'm going to rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Paul's trying to teach us that sometimes the best things from God lie in you having to do it again. But whether or not you actually get it depends on what angle you approach it. And if you come into it going, God, why do I have to do it again? You might miss it. But if you approach it with, I rejoice, Father, because I know that you've got what's best for me. I know you direct my steps. I know that you are everything, my provider, my peace, my glory. I know this. So no matter what I'm going through again, I will rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let me do it a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time. Why? Because God, you must have plans for it. You must have plans for it. The devil would tell me you must have failed the first time, which is why you have to do it the second time. God says, what if you succeeded the first time, but I have even bigger plans, so you got to do it again. Hopefully that's a personal message for you. Let me talk to you about our church for a second. The reason why this was such a word for me is because in this season, I kind of feel like we're planting the church again. I told you four years, guys. Now, one year of that, we were all at home learning how to grow bell peppers. But, but for three years, we, we, we busted our tails to plant this church. We, we, every Friday night, we set up. Every Sunday, we tore down. We, we took people through Grow Track. We built V Kids teams, First Impressions teams, production teams, worship teams, planning services, air conditioner issues. Yeah, remember one time we did our birthday, we had balloons and they didn't fall. We had to figure, hey, we, we, y'all remember that? We, we, we've been through some stuff. But I remember, and some of you were here, you remember this. I remember Sundays where we almost didn't have enough people to do what we needed to do because we were planting the church. You know what I mean? I remember there were times where on Saturday night we had to set up because school was doing something. So we'd set up till midnight and then we'd come in here on Sunday morning and everybody's exhausted and we're gathering together and we got kids screaming in this corner while we're trying to pray. And, and, and so when this started to happen and when we started to slowly open, I couldn't help but wrestle with God, why am I doing it again? I already did it once. I, I, I did it once. Why am I doing it Again, and the devil was so slick, he started to kind of creep in my mind and go, well, maybe you failed the first time. And that's what's leading to you having to do it again. And then the word, the second, so I felt like God told me what it means is up to me, but then I felt like he said this, appreciate the again. Now, we probably should change the title of the sermon to appreciate the again, because somebody's going to redo it again and think we're talking about, God, you move the mountains, you're going to do it again. It's not what I'm talking about. You do it again. Appreciate the again. Now, here's, here's the secret. Let me just let y'all in on something. I, I try my best to be really honest with you up here. Me telling you to appreciate it isn't really going to change anything. You know what I mean? Like, if I told you, if, if you left out of church and had a flat tire, and then you drove, got a new tire, drove to eat, and got another flat tire. And I walked up to you and went, you just need to appreciate the again. <laughs> After you punched me, 
we would realize that that didn't quite work. It doesn't work for me either. I, I needed something more than just a cute tagline. Like I told Darla, just because it rhymes don't mean it's right. You know what I mean? Just because I can learn how to do an A here and an A here doesn't always mean it's life-changing. Like, I get it, God. Appreciate the again, but I need more than just the words. I need the truth. And then I saw something in Acts 5 I've never seen before. Watch this. Acts chapter 5, verse 25, 26. Then someone came and said, look, the men that you put in jail... They're standing in the temple courts. They're teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers. Watch this. You see this? And brought the apostles. Okay. Walk with me on this for a second. If you broke the law and you were arrested and you broke out of jail and you went back to the same place that you broke the law and you broke the law again and the cops showed up Again, how do you think that arrest would go? I think, I think it wouldn't go well. I think they'd be a little mad at you, right? Because you, you broke the law. You broke out of prison. Then your dumb tail went right back to the same bank you robbed and robbed back again. So, you know, there's probably going to be some. So when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what did they do to the apostles? When they went back and they said they're preaching, did they go and flog them? Did they arrest them and drag them by their chase? What did they do to them? And then I read it, and it goes, and they brought, they brought them. You, you, know, what you, you know what normally is brought? A pie. Oh, look, you brought a pie. You don't brought people to prison. I was really confused about that. And then I read the next verse. They did not use force. Oh, so they had to bring them because this was a gentle process. Oh, would you please come with me, please? You ever seen somebody go get someone else's kid versus go get their own kid? Hey, excuse me, Wyatt, would you come here, buddy? Your mom and dad want you. Could you come here? I'm going to bring you to your parents. Casey Raven, get your little, you know what I mean? Like, it's just two different ballgames. I pictured this. They did this because they didn't want to use force. Why? Because they feared that the people would stone them, right? When they say people, they're talking about the crowd that's now starting to follow the apostles. They're afraid that the, apostle, the, the crowd following the apostles will, will start to stone those who are trying to arrest the apostles, because the, the crowd is so behind what they're preaching that if they tried to forcefully arrest them, if they would stone them, instead, if they just walked up and said, hey, come on, I'm arresting you, come on, then nobody would know. Now, but here was my confusion. Why wasn't this the case the first time? They arrested them the first time. There was no verbiage about them not using force. They arrested them, and where'd they put them? Anybody remember? The public jail. Now you're trying to be in private. The first time you were cool with public. What? I'm like, what was the difference? Well, let me tell you this. In that day, it was very common for prophets, uh, uh, what do you call them? False prophets to come and start speaking against religion and start talking about these rebellious ways it was so common that most people didn't respond at first. That's why Jesus didn't really get a crowd until he started doing miracles. Because it's very common for people to show up and start speaking against religious standards and all that. But watch. So what the authorities would do, because that was so common, is they would arrest them. 
have them flogged or whatever the situation was, and then release them. And watch this. Because the message they, was, they were preaching was false, they didn't want to be arrested again, so they would just disappear. So it was common for somebody to come and go, hey, you need to believe in this. You need to believe in that. People go, hold on, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see if this is serious. Oh, they got arrested? Oh, we ain't heard from them yet? Okay. Obviously, it must not be a big deal because they got arrested. They didn't want to get arrested again, so they went to the next town to talk about it. So when the apostles got arrested and they got out of jail and they went right back to the same place preaching the same message, but even more passionate, people said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think this is real. And so the crowd grew. I'm learning that again opens the door for more. When we can embrace the again, there are more people following the apostles now. Why? Because they went and preached again. Because they were willing to be arrested again. I was talking to God. I'm like, God, why am I? Are we, gonna, are we doing it again? Do I have to do it again? We had to open up nursery and then we had to open up Vicky's and because are we doing this again? I remember there were like 14 people in the seats. Are we doing it again? I said, you get to do it again. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, like, we're cool like that. I said, slow down with the get to stuff because I don't see it that way. Then I started thinking about when we planted the church. 45, 50 people, no money, zero influence in Smyrna, Tennessee. I remember one time we tried so bad to get influenced with the city that we, we did child care at the Smyrna Farmer's Market. Never in my life will I do that again. We, we had no influence. We had no money. We had hardly any people, and, and we just went with it. We, we planted this church. Saw over 300 people get saved, baptizing people like crazy, crazy events, events, started doing things in the community. This is what I feel like God told me. This time, you're doing it with more people, you're doing it with more money, and you're doing it with way more influence. So what that tells me is that it must mean there's going to be more salvations and more baptisms and more community impact because I'm learning that when I do it again with the right angle and I appreciate it and I'm all about what God's doing, it opens the door for more. So See, if I'm not careful, I'm mad about it. God, why well, I gotta do it again? God says, if you don't wanna do it again, I'll use somebody else. But I'm just telling you, if you're willing to be faithful and go out and preach again and get arrested again, you are gonna reach more people for the gospel, more influence, more lives change. And yes, it may be uncomfortable for you, but in the again is the opportunity for God to do something great. And then it was so weird. Out of nowhere, God dropped a story in my mind. I don't, even, I don't think I even told you this story. Every fall break, we go to Florida to see my dad. My dad lives in Panama City. We spend a week with him. Darla's parents go, Mama and Poppy, they come with us and our little girls. Never fails. There's going to be a day on the trip where Poppy builds some type of sand something, sand alligator or sand something. 
So this particular day, I don't participate. It's hot. I don't want to play in the sand. And so I'm sitting there watching, and uh, Casey Ray and Poppy are building this alligator. And they spent hours, y'all, hours building this sand alligator. It's cute. It's cool. And so they, they get, Veda was not down. Veda had gone upstairs or something. She wasn't there. And they get done. I'm talking about hours, y'all. Now, Poppy did 99% of the work. Let's be honest. But, you know, Casey put like a pebble on his eye. I was like, we did it. Um, so we go up for the night, and the, the water rises. And when you come down the next day, it's gone. Now, there might be little, little bits and pieces of it, but it's gone. And so we're putting our chairs down, getting ready to get our little spot. And Casey Ray runs out. And she goes, Poppy, Poppy, the alligator, it's, it's, it's gone. It's gone. She gets upset. She said, we have to do it all over again. My father-in-law said, no, no, we get to do it again. And then he said something. Again, at the time meant nothing, but God brought it back to my mind. He said, and maybe this time Veda can be a part of it. Now, catch this. That's a godly perspective. That, that's a kingdom perspective that says, hey, we get to do it again. And this time, people who weren't here the first time get to be a part of it this time. But it's all about the angle in which you approach it. I don't normally ask you to do this, but would you stand with me for a second? Because I really want you to focus in on what I'm about to say. When I pray, you can feel free to sit back down during the song, but I just need you standing up because I need you looking at me for this. There is a word in here for you personally, as much as it is for me personally. I don't know what it is that God's having you do again that you need to look at from a different angle, that you need to start to rejoice and see what God's doing. That, that is there for you personally, and I hope, I hope you took notes. I hope it's ministering to you. This is the word for us as a church. God is asking us to do it again. Again. To see hundreds of people saved again. To see many people baptized again. To be able to give $100,000 to the community outreaches again. To be able to grow again. To be able to impact again. To grow ministries again. Again, 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 again. To start small groups again. God is asking us to do it again. And there has to be a moment for you between you and God, if this is your church, there has to be a moment where you say, hey, I'm in it. Let's do it again. I, part two is gonna happen next Sunday during Father's Day. There was, there was more I felt like I needed to say, but I couldn't fit it in. But I wanna go ahead and get this in your mind now that God has called us. And listen, online family, this does not exclude you in any way whether it's online or whether you're returning in a season, listen to me, God's calling us to do it again. I think I shared this before I left, but I'm gonna share it real quick and I'll pray, I promise. Uh, Tommy and I got the opportunity to coach our, our kids in soccer. Just, it just ended. And sometimes God will just put me around people and I'm like, I just wanna know that. I wanna, I wanna do my best to, to attach myself to that person and try to win them to the Lord. This kind of thing. There was this couple their little daughter was so cute. Her and Casey Ray were hitting it off. And I was like, man, I just I want to know them. I want to connect with them. And then maybe, maybe I can get them to come to victory. And I don't know if they, I didn't know if they were saved or what at the time. So I had the opportunity. It was picture day. And, and the wife and me were just kind of standing there. And uh, we were talking about hooking up and, you know, all of us having dinner and all that. And I said something about the church. And she goes, you know, we went to victory. I said, wait, what? When? And she goes, right before the pandemic, me and my family, we had started coming to victory. 
She said, every Sunday I left crying. She said, it was incredible. She said, and then the pandemic happened. She said, and we're coming back, but you know, we got a, had a brand new baby. She said, we're just waiting. And in, in that moment, man, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, are you ready? Like, like we're going to do it again. Except this time you got more passionate people, more resource, more influence. Do you know what we're doing at the 4th of July event? I don't even know if I shared this yet. We connected with the community. We're going to have, we're going to be set up front with a uh, dunk tank, our, our information, everything, dunk tank. Myself will be in the dunk tank and the community leaders. God has put us in the room with the leaders of Smyrna. And I'm going to tell you more about that in a couple weeks. But I'm just telling you, the influence is way, look, we ain't at farmer markets anymore. God's ready to do it. And he's ready to do it again. But guess what he needs? People who are ready to do it again. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, do me a favor. I know y'all probably got plans. If you can, come back next Sunday for the part two of this. If you got plans, I understand. Watch it online. Come back because we're gonna we're gonna bring all this to a close. We're gonna we're gonna actually do something. We're gonna we're gonna do an action to prove that we're ready. I, I, I'm excited about it. And then we're gonna watch with this picnic and with Father's Day and this Fourth of July event and at the movies. And we're gonna look around and go, God's done, did it again, brother. Don't make me jump off the stage. <laughs> Will you pray with me, Father? I thank you right now for your Word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that this word is as life-giving and refreshing to everyone in this room as it is to me, to every person watching online as it is to me. There is nothing more humbling than to remember what you did through us in the beginning and to get us excited about the future. I thank you for every person that makes up Victory Church, Father. I thank you for the resources you've blessed us with. I thank you for the community influence that you've given us. And I'm learning that you're having us do it again because there's opportunity for more. There's opportunity for more people to be saved, for more people to be baptized, for more people to be able to find a small group, for more people to be able to serve and find their purpose. More, more, more. We just gotta be willing to do it, Father. And I believe we are. I believe we're ready. So right now, we just pray and ask that you would lead us, direct us, open doors for us. I pray that every person in this room, that every person they talk to, they couldn't help but tell them about you and victory. That we look for opportunities to disciple, opportunities to evangelize, that you get us excited again about seeing people saved. I know it's been a tough 14 months. Father, do it again. Do it again. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.